0: Welcome to Media Path. I'm Louise Palenker. And I'm Fritz Coleman. Today's Media Path takes us down Pine Street in Mayfield. One foot in the street, one on the curb. A few chases around a couple of trees and then up the stairs into number 211 in time for supper with Ward and June. How did Leave it to Beaver come to grace our airways for six seasons and find a home within our hearts, our cultural references, and our streaming services internationally forevermore? Jerry Mathers is here with his mom, Marilyn. Jerry remembers most of it. Marilyn remembers it all, and we are so (laughs) proud to welcome them here in the studio. But first, Fritz, before we get to the Mathers family, what have you been enjoying? Oh, let's talk about Jerry's website.
1: I want to talk about Jerry's website. This is a tease because at the end of the show, we're going to have a clearance sale in here. We're going to have merch. We have some incredibly cute and nostalgic Jerry memorabilia, and you'll want to get in on it. But in the meantime, I want you to prepare yourselves and your electronic devices to go to www.jerrymathersbeavermerch.com. www.jerrymathersbeavermerch.com. At the end of the show, we'll be specific. There's some new things, and it's just, I'm, I'm really nervous. The only two shows I was allowed to watch were The Beaver and Lawrence Welk. When I was a kid. Oh
0: so boy. I this, would pick the Beaver. I don't think funny. I ever caught an entire episode no. of Lawrence Murray. Anyway,
1: I'm gonna talk about a, a documentary film called Only in Theaters, Wheezy. If you're a movie fan, particularly art house movies, foreign movies, small independent movies, you're gonna like this film. It's called Only in Theaters. It's the history of the Lamely family. Carl Lamely immigrated from Germany to Chicago in 1884 and ultimately started Universal Studios. It's almost the same story that played out with all of the original Hollywood moguls, the Warners, Adolf Zucker at Paramount, the Mayers, and the Goldwins. As many of them did, Carl Lamely took it upon himself to get every one of his relatives employed. Eventually, his cousins got situated in California and started the Lamely Theater chain in Highland Park in 1938. It turned into a multi-generational business with the sole mission of supporting the art of filmmaking. They were interested in promoting smaller art house films from other countries. Their feeling is that foreign films are not only the art of film, but they also teach us about other cultures. The film is done from the point of view of Greg Lamley, who runs the company now. It focuses on the struggles in the last three years with COVID and with streaming. It goes from heartwarming to heartbreaking. It's closing and then attempting to reopen after the pandemic. It's trying to react to the same market forces that are Larger theater chains are dealing with right now. Will people continue to head to the theater to see a movie? It includes commentary by critics, scholars, employees of the company, and general film buffs. Lambley is an L.A. theater chain. For those of you from out of the country, so there is an even greater fear of the demise of this art house business in the town where film. Is religion. Los Angeles Times theater critic Ken Turan asked the question Can theaters that show the best of the best? Survive. Will streaming services eat away at the communal experience of going to the movies? Lots of people trying to answer that question right now. It's really wonderful if you're a film buff. I highly recommend it.
0: And it's really, it's got an arc. It's in the middle of filmmaking. It's one of those great documentaries where, in the middle of filmmaking, stuff starts to happen, and you're like, "Whoa, it's going down." So it's it's exciting to watch, but it's also, as you as you mentioned, it's heartbreaking because the pressure that Greg feels. The, the whole LA film community yeah, is it's
1: family legacy. He doesn't want to. He, he doesn't, doesn't want to, want to, to let anybody down. It.
0: He's a nice man, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's quite a great film. I, I really, really highly recommend this one. Good. Uh, his son, uh, Carl Lemley's son,
2: was a uh, assistant director on Leave It to Beaver. Is that right? Yes. In fact, he gave Jerry that Great Dane, Great Dane <laughs> dog that Jerry had. It was given to him by. <laughs> I can't remember his first name, but it was. This is Jerry's
1: guy. mom, Marilyn. Who is a medical miracle at 97 years old?
2: I'm only 96. Oh, I please. beg your pardon. Well, your birthday's coming up, though. Isn't <laughs> May 14th. It? I just had it. Mother's oh,
1: okay. Day was my birthday. Anyway, wow. And I, and the family kind of permeated the community. And, and this 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 theater chain really only has emotional impact to L.A. because it's the film community here, and the smaller films would get distributed here, and they do uh, they do uh, film festivals and that kind of thing.
0: But and if the just, films don't get launched here, they don't have a life. No. Precision. Outside of here. So it it, it really he, he is nurturing talent. He's the first person that discovered some of the, you know, the or not Greg, but his father, the the new for Hollywood yeah. and, and the independent filmmaking. As mm-hmm. filmmaking became more available, as, as equipment became more affordable, folks started making films that were different than the big Hollywood blockbuster yeah. films. And they had they had a voice and they had a platform through the Lemley uh, branch. And so it's yeah. important. But the big question is, Jerry, when's the last time you went to a movie?
3: Quite a while ago.
0: Right. So are we, still, are we still going to go? Or is this—
3: That's the big question.
0: Is this, is this by way of the buggy whip and the horse and carriage, is this something that we're going to just have to, you know, give a big hug goodbye and a big thank you? I, I just—it's—
1: Well, it, it goes to the larger question of uh, the communal experience in general of live performance. You know, music, comedy, uh, television shows— I hope that never goes away. That's the campfire aspect of humanity. We all like to be around and hear other people's reactions to stuff. I hope it never completely goes away, but it might reconfigure. All right.
0: My media picks are as follows. As follows, I observed some media path parallels between two Netflix docs. One is the standalone film Lewis Capaldi, How I'm Feeling Now. And the other is a doc series called Point Break. Both address the pressures of peak performance. Young Lewis shot to the top of the charts at the age of 18 and quickly found himself nominated for Song of the Year at the Grammys. And Point Break is a series about it, it actually um, offers us an exclusive inside look at the lives of players on the World Tennis Tour. All are young people grappling with who they are and who they would like to become while a village of folks in their inner circles have livelihoods dependent upon that young person's ability to perform well and legions of fans who are eagerly eagerly awaiting the next song or victory. It's a lot. The big difference being that in sports, one side leaves defeated and devastated, and in music, hopefully everyone takes the win. But first, you need to make the music. Lewis hit big at the age of 18 when from his bedroom in rural Scotland, he uploaded an iPhone recording to SoundCloud and was discovered by his future manager. The hits Someone You Loved and Before You Go soon followed. Now the world is watching. The documentary illustrates the fear and pain of a young man coming of age while producers, managers, a record company, and his fans await his next creation. The strain brings out his nervous tics, which become increasingly painful and debilitating until Lewis is finally diagnosed with Tourette's, begins to receive treatment, and triumphantly completes his new album. Point Break is on season two, and it follows a wide range of players, including Taylor Fritz, Nick Kyrgios, Owens Jaber, and Ila Tamal. Uh, this one I have. Isla. Right. Her name is Isla. Tamiyanowich. The series illustrates how the player is the sharpened point of a spear, which includes trainers, managers, coaches, sponsors, psychologists, and physical therapists. One player mentions that a top athlete must be a narcissist. They are the focal point, and in order to function at their highest capacity at this elite level, they must put themselves first, and relationships suffer. My favorite moment comes when Isla is heading out to compete against Venus Williams in the U.S. Open, and she touches a plaque with a quote from Billie Jean King that reads, Pressure is a privilege. But how much is too much pressure or not enough for each of us is a delicate dance. For me, untying my sneakers before putting them on is too much pressure. Getting each foot into the correct shoe is the sweet spot. Lewis Capaldi, How Am I Feeling Now, and Point Break are both on Netflix. If you enjoyed Point Break, there is a similar show about golf called Full Swing, which gets into the whole live golf controversy, and it's also very interesting on Netflix. I'd like to introduce our guest, Fritz, if that's okay with you. Good. Do
1: we still have time? Okay.
0: Yeah. I I was a little wordy today. Our guests understand a thing or many about performing on a world stage at a young age. Gerald Patrick Mathers is best known for his role in Leave It to Beaver, which he earned by telling the producers at his audition that he would really rather be at a Cub Scout meeting. <laughs> Act like you don't need it, right, Jerry?
3: I guess. Yeah, originally <laughs>
0: broadcast from 1957 to 1963, Leave It to Beaver has never since been off the air. Jerry was born in Sioux City, Iowa, the son of a high school principal and an adventurous mom who on a whim took him upstairs at a department to audition for some modeling. Jerry was an immediate hit at the age of two and has been performing ever since. Jerry was the first child star to really star in his own show in the title role. And that, like music and tennis, is a lot of pressure on a little kid. How did his mother, Marilyn, help him manage it and keep him safe? She's here to tell us all about it. Are you ready for your opening question? Okay. Here it comes. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jerry, you were never aware of not being an actor. Do you and your mom remember when you first asked her why your life was so unique and discussed whether or not you were enjoying your career?
3: I don't think that ever happened. It didn't happen? I, we, I was having a good time. She knew I was. Um, all the people on the set were very, very nice. In fact, they went to great lengths that all of the crew, which were there was about probably 70 people, all came from people that had both men and women. Uh, kids in their home and knew what kids did and what was right and what was wrong. So we had a great cast and crew, and it was just a lot of fun.
2: Well, before Beaver, he just loved to work. And he liked it more than I did. <laughs> I, I liked it. it. Was always it was interesting too for me. He had an interesting life, but he just loved to work. And I never wanted him to do a series. And I told the agent that not to send him because I didn't think you could keep a kid interested in working day after day. And the only one that was really big at that time was Tommy Reddick on Lassie. And I thought how does they how could they keep him every day, you know, day after day learning lines? And so then the uh, agent didn't tell me it was a series. And that's when he Because they really wanted Jerry. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. So they didn't even I know think me then. she had send every kid she had and they had another call or something and this so she said Jerry. And so um, he went up to the. Uh, he went up to the office. It was at uh, Republic Studios at that time. They were still doing the westerns, the old days. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, he, uh, he there's all kinds of kids of both ages. You know, for the older boy and the younger. We didn't know what it was. But, and then they they called up and then uh, they called up Jerry and then a few minutes later a man came, uh, one of his assistants came down he said Mrs Mathers and I said <laughs> and then he he said would you please come and he took me to an office he said uh, Jerry says that you teach him his lines because he really couldn't, didn't read that you know well that and uh, he said uh, so uh, would you please teach him these lines and then so he so he came down and a few, he brought Jerry down in the office I taught him the lines he, he all I'd have to read him was once or twice and he'd know him so. So, uh, so they took Jerry back up, and they sent everybody home except the older boys. And and so then they called up the older boys, and eventually there was nobody left. And we they said Jerry came down, and we went home. That was that.
1: Wow. So, the whole um, darkness of child stars not surviving that part of their life, and you have this wonderful caring man with a beautiful family, still close to his mom. What was the difference in the way you raised him that sort of kept him out of whatever the dark experiences
2: of other child—not all other child stars, but many? There's some sad stories. Well, I give my husband a lot of credit because he was a—you uh, know, he worked as—he uh, was a principal. He ended up being a deputy superintendent. He retired of the L.I. Unified School District. Wow. Uh, but he was—at the time when Jerry first started, I think he was a vice principal. And he, and uh, I, my husband understood kids and all. New and, child psychology. Yes. Mm-hmm. and my husband, I, my husband did some really good things that should be done for all children that act. He wouldn't let them work in the summer. You know, a lot of they could save a lot of money by uh, having them work and they didn't have to go to school. And a lot of the series it was sad they'd work the kids all summer and then given their vacation to winter, they'd have to go to school still. So they really didn't get a vacation. Mm-hmm. And that was one thing. And uh, well, I know, he just did a lot of things like that that were helpful.
1: Did you have onset tutors when you were? Yeah,
2: yes. I had
3: an onset tutor. And mm-hmm. then Tony did too because he was in- Well, he uh, went to high school. Yeah, he was in high school and I was in elementary school. And so I was basically having a tutor by myself Unless they had a, a school scene, and then all those kids would come and uh, I'd have a full class.
1: Yes. I have to do my six degrees of Jerry Mathers separation moment. Please. If you okay. Please forgive me. Because as your wife and I were talking about, uh, there, there are no strangers in show business. So- Um, And none of this, I have to say, has anything to do with why we begged you to come on the show today. Well, it's
2: it's a pleasure to be here. uh, Thank you.
1: Your talented brother, Jim, uh, who is a great director, directed my recent Tubi special, which I'm very proud of. And he was just a pleasure to work with. Your son, Noah, was a production and a technical assistant on that show. I got to know Noah. My daughter went to Notre Dame High School and graduated from there. And a year ago... Uh, I got to interview you for my not a year ago, years ago. I got to interview you for my Channel Four comedy special called "The Perils of Parenting," and we had people who were sort of older parents of younger kids, and I had you and Ed McMahon and Don McLean on there, and we went down to Igby's, that little comedy club in West LA, and did the interview, and we intercut you into the special, so it was a lot of fun. So in 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 reverse, I thank you for all the. Great well,
3: numbers. thank you. <laughs>
0: Well, I would love it if you would both tell the story of how you were instrumental in getting Hugh Beaumont, who I think is the greatest dad in TV history, <laughs> but you have a story on your blog about how Jerry was doing an industrial about a funeral home. He had already been cast in the show, so pick up the story, if you would.
2: Uh, it was at the time television was just starting and everything was live, and uh, the studios were just practically closing or anything, and then Jerry got this job, which was... Uh, uh, a commercial for a theater f- in a cemetery. Yeah, it's a really Rose long Hills, commercial. Rose Hills, I believe it's, it's like called Rose Hills.
0: 15 minute commercial.
2: Yeah. yeah. And so uh, he was talking to me between scenes. And he told me how he, he thought he was going to go uh, get out of acting because it was so slow. It, it Hugh was. Beaumont was telling you. Yeah, the studios were closing practically, going down. You know, a lot of them did close, got kind of, and then they opened up. and. It's kind later. of similar
0: to what we're going through now with streaming where we just don't know what the future is. Because when TV first came out, and it's mentioned in the Lemley documentary, mm-hmm. there, was a, there were a lot of people out of work all of a sudden because folks were staying home to watch their television and not going out to the theater so much. Go ahead. So, uh, so
2: then, you know, he was telling me he thought he was going to get out of acting because it was going so slow, and so I said, "Well, my son, I knew they were looking for a new father. You know, they did the original one, and they uh, they wanted a new, a different father from the original, the the Hacker. first test, and uh, they wanted a, a, another big brother because the other boy, he was a really nice cute boy, but he grew so much over the summer that he couldn't play. He got a lot taller than Jerry. He got mm. his." Girls. About
3: six three. So oh, I told uh, I told
2: Hugh uh-huh. I said they're interviewing for a father, you know, and so he went there and he got the <laughs> part. And so Jerry just loved you from the top working with him that first day. And so that night Jerry was saying his prayers and he said, Please God, let the man I work with today be the Because oh, I told oh, him oh. and so when he when he went to the first day and there was Hugh Beaumont Oh wow. He, his father answered. That's right.
3: Well he was also a Methodist minister.
2: Well then he had an oh, in yeah. you,
0: you
1: had good connections.
0: That. <laughs> yes. So um good God connections.
1: Yes. So Marilyn, was it intimidating that your son went and acted on the set with a, a a coiffed mother who would
2: make breakfast in a cocktail dress. Barbara Billingsley, who was just a sweetheart. Oh, she was the greatest person. She she was so good. It was hard working with the kids, and they made her wear those high heels because the kids were growing and they wanted her to look taller. And then, and then they she had to have her hair, and she'd be there at the studio. It was really hard on the parents because using kids like that, because they they had to come in the morning at five in the morning. She'd have to get there, get her hair fixed, and everything. And then they they'd they'd, uh, they'd have to work till nine at night. The kids would all leave at five. That's their not allowed to work after that. And how many hours a day were you allowed to work with it? Four hours. Wow. Mm -hmm. They they could go they had to go to school three hours or they could work four hours. Wow.
0: Well, the Leave it to Beaver model presents the four lead characters as highly likable and relatable, although Ward could be angry, frustrated, impatient, exasperated, and cranky like any father. Wally and Beaver could be naive, gullible, self-absorbed, easily influenced like any child. And June had very few flaws like our idealized view of motherhood. But the recurring characters were more three-dimensional because they could be more flawed. For example, Eddie had three basic personalities he was the cool character that he displayed to wally or the jerk he was to beaver or the supplicant with a subtle dig that he was to uh, ward and june and he even had a, a weak and defeated side that his parents saw or that we saw when it was just you know a reveal of what eddie what eddie's home life was like so i'm gonna say the name of a leave it to beaver character and you can both tell me some memories of that role and that actor how does that sound okay oh larry mondello
3: very nice guy um he was you know just about my age so i at that time before he came on the show um i was the only one i had a private tutor and when he came in he that he was so good that we kept him on so suddenly i had somebody else to go to school with and somebody to go out and throw a baseball and stuff around so he's a really nice guy and we got along real well
0: that's so cool Uh, and he was from philadelphia was he really? Well, I'm not surprised. And a great <laughs> uh, see you remember everything, Marilyn. And a great role was that of Larry's mother. Oh, yes, yeah,
2: she was. She was a wonderful woman. She used to tell me stories between the scenes. I, she had some connection with London and the stage in London. I I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember she told me some interesting stories about the London stage. But she was a really really nice person. Very a lot of fun. But a really, very really,
0: r- very colorful performance. She was just always, like, at the end of her rope with with Larry. And the father was always out of town. It, was he in Cincinnati? I, in Cincinnati. Uh, all over, <laughs> but Cincinnati a lot. Oh, well, he was in Cincinnati. <laughs> I don't know what was going on in Cincinnati, but, like, it may have been something. Uh, Gus the fireman.
3: A really nice guy. Oh, um, yeah. He was just – he had been – what was he I, uh, before you re-
0: – well, he, he, he had a whole career.
2: I, he was just in, uh, like – a stage on a did stage on the, on acting, stage, you know, yeah. not for, in New must, And be. then Burt he got mark. into it. He, he got into it when he was
0: older. He was like sixty or something when he started acting. Oh wow, yeah, he, he did had to look. wait for the grandkids to grow to move out. Probably yeah. yes. <laughs> uh, so Gilbert,
3: really nice guy, really smart. Yeah. Um, he went to Harvard. Uh, they have a a school for people that are in elementary school, and he was in that. And he was just an A student and just a really smart guy.
0: And he's a documentary filmmaker. Now, mm-hmm. yes.
2: Stephen Talbot. Right. Mm-hmm. He was one of the fun kids. I loved him to come on because he was so much fun just off the set. He'd always, he would always have jokes to tell, and he would tell us jokes. And he had such timing. He would tell us a funny joke. And, and then when we'd laugh, every time, they'd it, like say, silent, you know, cut. And we were it, it, silent on the set. We weren't allowed to make any noise. And he'd just tell the funniest line. And then we'd <laughs> sit there and go,
0: <laughs> he has such a funny delivery, you know, such a natural, funny delivery. Lumpy.
3: Really nice guy. Um, you know, he was a lot older than us, So, yeah. but we used to go, when, I, when I'd ask my mom if I could go, they would all go out to lunch to Bob's Big Boy here, which is a big uh, hamburger place.
0: That's Fritz's favorite. Okay.
3: That's and the name. so yeah. that was a great thing. When he was on the show, we were very happy because that meant we got to go to lunch <laughs> at, uh, over there.
0: And Lumpy's dad, Fred Rutherford, Richard Deacon.
3: Very nice man. And he was, you know, we knew how it was for him in some ways, maybe even a step down, because he was a big star um, before Leave it to Beaver on a lot of different things. So we were just very, very lucky to have him.
0: But he brought so much to the role. I'm sure he had fun with it.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, he had fun with it, but he was just, he was so good at it, it was almost funny.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Eddie Haskell.
3: He was probably the most interesting one, because what he was doing Um, before the show when we shot the original one he was just another kid and he was very very good at it when we came back to do the new leave it to beaver he was an lapd police officer Mm -hmm. but he got some time off because he had whatever that he could get uh, some days off and he'd come in and work and it was really a much better show when he was in it
0: so when you were doing the new leave it to beaver and and now you're getting to know these people as adults with the perspective that that brings. How did it, that strengthen your, your relationships? As well, it was
3: just fun. It was like, you know, um, honestly, when we finished the first Leave it to Beaver, I didn't think I'd ever see any. of They, they were very good friends, but we all lived all over like Los Angeles. It's such a big place that, you know, I thought, well, gee, I'm so sorry that I won't be able to see these people. And suddenly they were all back.
0: Yeah, that's really, really cool. Leave it to Beaver is really a lesson in parenting and a reminder of what it felt like to be a kid and the producers did did a really good job of that did you Jerry did you feel that beaver's emotional life was more complicated than your own as a child or or not?
3: You know, I never really thought about it because i'd go in I was myself um I had a wonderful family life. I was the oldest, but I have a sister and and several brothers they're now all sheriffs but uh We had a wonderful time at home, and I knew that when I went into the studio, that was a work day. Um, Most other kids went to school. I went to school on the set, but I also had to work on the the set. Mm -hmm.
1: So when you got past the Beaver era and you went to Notre Dame, and— was it difficult to make a circle of friends that you could trust, and could you have a a normal relationship with a girl, for instance, or was there was it was there such a backdraft from your earlier fame that it made it difficult to have a normal relationship?
3: Well, the thing was that at Notre Dame there were quite a few other actors wow. that were kid actors. some of them were a lot older than me. some of them, as I went to the you know the different stages of the school were younger than me, but we just had a really good time. It was an all boys school, mm-hmm. so Um, When we'd go to a a sock hop, there were a lot of girls there, so it was fun to meet them, and I just had a wonderful time. And you had a band in high school. I had Beaver and the Trappers.
1: There it was. Did you play the sock hops and stuff?
3: Yes, I was the drummer, and we had a great time. And the only bad thing is you didn't get to meet anybody because you were all the time, I was all the time, and the whole band was (laughs) Uh up there playing. But it was a lot of fun, and we made a lot of good friends.
1: Well, uh, looking up the stats on this show, 80 countries. 40 languages and it all must deal with the and I, what i love the best is what they call it in japan it's called happy boy and his family the happy boy the happy boy, <laughs> the happy boy and his family. oh my god like the beaver but but i i think if it, it just shows the universality of the problems you talked about on the show right, that's- you know the the the, the, the gentle solving of family problems between parent and kids, the gentle solving of sibling issues, a little boy, as Weezy said, coming into his own and trying to find his place on the planet. Those are all universal experiences, and that must mean why it exploded on, on a global stage when it was. I think a lot
3: of people could relate to it. A lot of people that were my age, but even people that were growing up, we're saying, oh yeah, I, I wish I had seen that one before when I was a kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I always get people that come up to me when I'm doing autograph shows and things that say, you know, I did this just like you did on the show. And I'm going, uh-oh, <laughs> it must have been a lot of trouble.
0: <laughs> All right, well. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead, Fritzie. No, I want you to do it. So uh, we're gonna do a beaver vocabulary quiz. Uh-oh. And I'm, I'm gonna give you a beaver <laughs> vocabulary word and then ask you to use it in a sentence. Okay. <laughs> Hunk of. Hunk of meat. But a whole sentence, Jerry, that's just...
3: I want a uh, hunk of cake.
0: Yeah, very good. Okay, give you the business.
3: Don't do that to me.
0: (laughs) Use it in a sentence.
3: (laughs) Don't give me the business. Very
0: good. The weepies.
3: I don't think I want to cry.
0: Yes, that was the, the chopper episode.
3: Was that? Okay.
0: Classic. Dry up.
3: That's what you just say to people that you don't want to talk to anymore.
0: <laughs> Clover.
3: That's what you say to people that you think are going to hit you first.
0: <laughs> Search me.
3: It means you don't know.
0: <laughs> Raz.
3: I don't know that one. What is it?
0: I think don't it's like give, me. giving the business. Yeah. It's like giving the business, yeah. Okay. And this is the early, maybe only season one, but th- thunk.
3: That's what you think thunk. <laughs> That's <the> past tense.
0: <laughs> That's what you thunk the past tense of think was. <laughs> Tell me about uh, Joe Connolly and Bob Mosher
3: Really nice guys uh, Joe Connolly had I think it was nine kids And uh, So he really understood Kids and what they did And how they could get in trouble His One of his sons was Ricky And that's who they say Beaver was based on And a lot of things that Ricky did That got a lot of trouble on They'd put it in the show and I did it But I didn't
0: get in any trouble <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then these are the names that we wa- – well, I was in the generation where I came home from school and Beaver was on reruns. Mm-hmm. So I saw it every day. Okay. And these are the names that we watched on the credits throughout our childhoods, and we would like to know more about them. So I'm going to say the name of somebody whose name is in the credits and you tell me about that person. Okay. Norman Tokar.
3: He was a really good director, and he directed probably um, a little over half of the shows because he was so good. Um, He came out of the uh, New York stage, and he was also working there a lot. So all of a sudden, he would ask the producers, and they'd get another person, and they'd come in and do it for him because he would go and do some stage work in New York.
1: Let me ask a question about the directing, uh, Jerry. It it seems to me it takes a special talent for somebody to have the patience and the insight to be able to direct children. Did he have a special skill? Was he gentle? Could he be coarse if you weren't doing what you were supposed to do? How, How did he deal with you?
3: You know, it, although you say that, all the people or most of the people that were on the show were actors. And so we knew what you had to do. They'd come in. They'd tell you what to do. And if you did it, that was fine. And everything went good. If you didn't, you probably weren't coming back that week or even that day maybe. Or do it again. Right. And
0: Tony told us that when and the light fell and somebody said a curse word and Norman or said, you know, you can't come back. We You better you need better instincts than that. We've got a set full of children here.
3: Well, they also had a, a, our teachers were our welfare workers, so they were, were very much taking care of us all the time. And some of the things they say, well, no, he can't do that. That might be dangerous. There's a light up there. Or, no, we don't want him to do this or that or the other thing. So you had somebody that was watching you. You went to school with them. or They, they were the teacher. Mm-hmm. But when you were on the set, they were always watching us to make sure we didn't get hurt.
0: Right.
2: Marilyn, Marilyn, want to make a yeah. I want to yeah, about Norman Tokar. Yeah, so uh, in the very beginning of the, of the show, uh, the producers, uh, Conley and Mosher, told told Norman Tokar to just leave Jerry. Don't give Jerry any direction. Just let his mother teach him the lines, which I did every night. But he picked up like that. You could, you know, he them right away, and and just let him say them. And so then he so he started working on the other characters, and he really developed Larry Mondello. All those cute little things about the apple.
0: Yes. And I was eating something. And I,
2: those are all Robert Tokar. He was a really good director with, with kids.
0: Yeah. Tony mentioned that to us too, that he would give you business to do that would help you get into the role. Right. So, How about Max Stingler?
3: He was our oh. cameraman. And he had been a cameraman since the days where you had the ones that you rolled like this that oh, didn't God. even have. Oh, man. So he was a, just a really nice guy. And he he liked kids, and that's what that was the big thing. All the people on our crew, there was probably thirty-five to forty people in the crew. The people that did the lights, the, and they all had to have family. They wanted nobody that didn't have a family or that would be nervous around kids,
0: or that wouldn't understand that you need to get home because you've got to have the whole rest of your life as well.
3: Well, that would be the teacher because our teachers were people that at if we were in the middle of a scene. And we had worked our seven hours she would just walk on and say that's it you're gonna to have to do this tomorrow
0: wonderful Vin- so uh, i have more names oh, oh wait, right. these are the last three names that you see when you're watching the show day in and day out like i did in suburban buffalo vincent d
3: that was our wardrobe man i believe mm-hmm and he was just a real nice guy. It was something that you know, in the when the show before it started filming each year, he would take us out and we'd go around to all the big stores and they'd pick out outfits for us because obviously uh, we would all grow when we were on vacation, and by the time we came back, he had to buy us all new clothes.
0: Yeah, and there was a, there was a certain look to each character, like the way they dressed, and it all your show also wasn't shy about reusing clothes the way people do in real life. Yeah. Uh, sometimes on shows, it's like if they wore it, they'd never wear it again. But Beaver and Wally wore the same clothes often. How about Jack Barron?
3: Jack Barron was actually the makeup man for some of the shows, and he went on to become the head makeup artist for Universal Studios.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, and finally, Florence Bush.
3: She was Barbara Billingsley's hairdresser. So she would very often come in the park because the makeup men were so busy that they're all part of the same union, If your hair was messed up, she'd run out and comb it for you.
0: Yeah, and Beaverall sometimes did that himself pretty nicely.
3: I'd mess it up and she'd come and fix it.
0: <laughs> so Jerry, the show was on
3: the
1: air from 57 to 63.
3: Well, wait a minute now, it's still on the air. So oh just no,
1: no, that's that's well, that's another question completely.
3: <laughs> yeah. But but when you say that, people think that's when it ended. The, the
1: original broadcast the schedule. Ori- yes. Well, let's talk about that first. Okay. They, You know, all these great nostalgia streaming channels, and we talked about it before with your mom being comfort food. We're in such a dark place on this planet now that I think people see Seek the warmth of those earlier shows, pardon me, that seemed so um, innocent and um, it was all about the nuclear family and it was love. And it wasn't perfect for everybody, but it certainly was better than what we have now. Have you noticed uh, a resurgence in people's enthusiasm for the show or uh, that that you're recognized more or there's more awareness of that show now that you're on? You're on like five channels every day.
3: You know, it's something that I know because people are always coming up to me, yeah. and they'll 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 look at me for a while, and I know what they're trying to think: <laughs> Is this really him, or yeah. am I making a big mistake? because obviously I'm a lot older now. And I don't really look like that child, but they say, but he sure looks like him. You look a I'll, lot <laughs> like him. No, no, no. I think I'll go up and just no. see. And they're really nice, and I say hi to them and stuff, and they always have a favorite episode that they, you know, I liked, really liked your show, but this one, remember the one when you did this or that or the other thing? And it's just nice to have such a great fan base. It's
1: like a warm hug watching those old shows. It really, really is. It's just, it's about love. That Everything that resonated out of that show was love for the moment little speed bumps that every family hits. There was just a lot of love coming there.
0: And it's yeah. also really funny and better written than any other show I, that I agree a thousand yeah, percent. The writers are great.
2: The writer yeah.
3: Chunk Conley and Mosher came out of, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Amos and Andy. Yeah. They wrote Amos and Andy on, on uh, Broadway stage and also on radio, and so Leave it to Beaver was really the first thing that they did for television.
1: Wow.
0: Are you guys ready to play some Leave it to Beaver trivia? No. <laughs> okay. <So> Marilyn? <laughs> you studied Marilyn will ace this. She okay. knew there'd be a quiz. she probably will. She did. Uh, number one, who are the real-life brothers with roles on the show? I give up. I don't up. know what you mean by that. It was Wally's friend, Tui Brown, who was played by Tiger Fafara, and Beaver's friend, Whitey Whitney, who was played by Stanley Fafara. Yeah, they were brothers. Yeah, that's right, yeah. They were brothers in real life. Uh, number two, remember that Jerry was a little boy when all this was like. <laughs> <laughs> number two, who is the only character who never lied on the show? Beaver. I think Beaver lied. When? Beaver lied.
3: Uh, I mean, if you can't come up with something, then it's...
0: <laughs> uh, suddenly it's a court of law. Well, according to the internet, it's June...
3: Do you believe the Internet?
0: <laughs> not, not all of it. You're Good point, good point. He's going to be really tough on the stand, <laughs> counsel. Uh, what was Mrs. Rayburn's first name? Hey, you. Hey, you. <laughs> it was Cornelia because okay. she, she writes a letter to Ward because Beaver, I don't know if he didn't it's write his own poem or something. I don't know what happened. Something happened. Why did a collection agency threaten to sue the Beaver?
3: Probably for her losing something that he had
0: close he owed money to a record club who hasn't been there Hello? you can get 99 records for a penny come on they don't That's even good. have those that no they don't <laughs> Spotify comes over boom 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 you've been listening uh, last question Beaver and Gilbert placed a long-distance call to which baseball player
3: Don Drysdale so did you get to meet him yeah he came onto the set oh, because God, I want to hear about that well he came onto the set because he was supposed to be in Los Angeles and Mayfield is somewhere in the United States but they never said where mm-hmm. but he was just a really nice guy and we got to meet him and then they did the scene but we were we we weren't in with him in the scene but he was there that day and got to meet him nice guy
0: that's so cool wow
1: so let me finish my previous question oh. uh, 1963 <laughs> the the show went off its original broadcast schedule yes and your life changed you went on and became a young adult and you went to UC Berkeley, mm-hmm. ain't no slap scholastically, and you in the Air Force. Talk about your Air Force experience.
3: Well, I was a general's aide um, for about four years. And like
0: Hamilton. All oh,
1: right. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> and so it, it was, you know, it was not anything that was hard. It was my my duty. And
2: no. uh, but you went through basic training. Well,
3: I went through basic training first, but yes. when I came back to the to the uh, to where I was. Uh, where i was going then i uh, that's what they wanted me to do
1: no that's i went in the navy for the same reason we, at least we served our country you know my kids say your dad was in the navy and i say yes and they or, or, or my son will say yes and they'll say why <laughs> they didn't even get that it was sort of expected of you or you were forced into it at that point in american life so funny I wish that kids had to do some sort of service now. It doesn't have to be military service.
3: Oh, well, it was very good for me. I'll Absolutely. You. it was. You know, exactly I learned I mean. a lot. I went to Camp Pendleton and spent uh, 12 weeks there in a basic training well, and then, then a, went on.
2: That was a, You did go to Camp Pendleton, but that was your dad got you into that, uh, uh, like, well, pup something? Devil pup, that program. was even before that. Yeah, in the high school.
1: Yeah. That was really important to me. His dad
2: knew he had to toughen him up. Mm-hmm. Before he did Beaver, so uh, at that summer from from Beaver ended, and then he went to a program that the uh, that they did at Camp Pendleton, the Marines did it. And, uh, my husband had a friend that was a, a teacher that was uh, connected to the Marines and was in that program. Mm-hmm. And Jerry went to Camp Pendleton. He went through his basic training. So I think it was easier for him in the Army because I think it was, was Camp Force. Pendleton that uh, what is cup? What was it? Cup something pups? Devil pups? Devil pups. It was called. The program. Did
1: you uh, do your military service before or after Berkeley? After. Oh.
2: I thought you did before. What was your... No. What right was out your, of high school you had to go.
3: No, I didn't. I went no? after after Berkeley, yes. Okay. What
1: was, what was your course of study at Berkeley? Uh, philosophy.
0: Wow. What is your favorite philosopher, and what did you learn as a philosophy major that impacted your life?
3: What I liked about it was it was Descartes, and uh, I just liked all the things that they were saying. I, I, would, I would look at it, and it was just something that I didn't mind reading all the stuff that they had written. And so for a lot of people, they said, oh, that's just too hard. I don't want to do that. But I just enjoyed reading how they uh, viewed the, viewed the way they were living and the way other people were living.
0: So yeah and it it reading philosophy can either like scramble your mind or unscramble it depending on i guess your point of view or your mood that day.
3: Well, I don't know. I I just liked it because it was something that I could understand. Um it was very very easy for me. Um a lot of it was things like I had learned as an actor, learning scripts. So when I could read it one time, whether people's uh, friends of mine even would have me read theirs just so that I could tell them what it really meant.
2: You didn't ah. have to read his philosophy
1: books to him, did you, Marilyn? No,
3: I didn't. <laughs> oh,
2: okay. I, I like philosophy, too, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Aristotle, Plato, and Socrates. <laughs> mm-hmm. there you
0: go. What were some of the lessons that you learned from your TV parents? Because you always felt as a viewer that, oh, there's just so much wisdom, and, you know, Ward's den is just covered in books and, you know, and... <laughs> So was there anything that they, as human beings, taught you that were life lessons?
3: Well, Hugh Beaumont was kind of interesting. Not that he taught me that much about it, but he was actually a Methodist minister. Mm-hmm. So he um, you know, was somebody that I felt uh, very confident I could go and talk to him about things or you know whatever. He had kids of his own, so he understood children. Um, but it was just a fun time on the set. Everybody liked everybody. One of the things they did as a company is every person on the crew, we had a crew of about 70 people, had to have a family. So they wanted people that were used to being around kids, and they knew that kids could sometimes be a little hard to work with. But mm-hmm. uh, it was just a fun set, and we all had a very good time.
0: Now, Marilyn, did you pal around with the other uh, parents on the yes, set? Yes, I, I was uh, uh, Jerry Wild. I was a
2: good friend of her mother, Adele. Oh, that would be Judy on the set. Judy, show. sure. Huh? And, uh, uh, well, Mrs. Dahl, we were good friends. And uh, all of them, and, uh, like uh, uh, Stanley Fafara and Tiger Fafara. Their mother was fun. I loved her a lot. And I don't know. Actually, his father was a roofer, and he put a roof on our uh, – we have a cabana building. He put the roof on our cabana all those years ago, and it, st- it never has leaked. It's still good. <laughs> the same roof through the earthquakes and everything else. Let me ask you something, Marilyn. How many roofer.
1: miles do you think you drove as the parent of a child star?
2: I drove a lot because we lived we lived in Tarzana and then oh we goodness. went to Universal Studios, so back and forth. And we used to listen to the radio uh, music usually, right, Jerry? Yeah. And, any of the
1: other siblings? Jerry's the oldest. Yes. Any of the other? Uh, did Did uh, Jimmy do any? Oh activity? yeah, Jimmy
2: was good. He did a lot of good things. Uh, but when uh, he, he was in Disney's uh, Summer Magic, he did a movie with Haley Mills. And he, Well, actually, he did a whole series with Connelly and Mosher. That's how he started. I was so busy with Jerry, I didn't try to get Jimmy any jobs. And one time, I got a call, and they said, uh, the secretary for Connelly and Mosher called me, and she says, Marilyn, would you please bring Jimmy to the uh, to the office of two days later or something? And so I dressed him in his cute little suit, hand me down from Jerry. Oh, All <laughs> the kids wore that same little suit. The Eaton soup and I took him up, and then he went into an, a, a, an office and talked to somebody. I don't know who it was, and then we went back, and then they wrote a, a, a series, and Jer, Jimmy was into it. They did a lot of other series, and, uh, but it only it only went one year. It Didn't get picked up again, but it was called Ichabod and Me. So Jerry, Jimmy did that. And then he did the things with um, Disney. He did the movie, and he did things. But when he got to be about 10 years old, he wasn't under contract. And, you know, he had, they have to go back to school, and then they get called after school to go on interviews. And Jimmy didn't want to go on interviews after school anymore, so I just quit taking him.
1: He's got great technical smarts, too. That yeah, yeah, to
2: likes he likes He's a himself. cinematographer. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So you really kind of were very uh, in, in tune with what your kids' needs were. And it wasn't something that was more, there was any pressure from the parents that no, we expect you to do this. It was no. W- no, no. making sure that your your kids were having a great childhood. Yeah, Susie never wanted to work. Uh, well, she'd always say,
2: Get me a job, get me a job then I'd try to get her a little part on and leave it to be if they had one. And then she'd say, Oh, I can't do that. I'm going to a party after school today <laughs> <laughs> Susie always got along, she's very social, you know, I told her she's a mayor in our city. Yeah. And uh, she didn't want to work that much so and then the, the my uh, the next to the youngest Sean, he was so big for his age. He was always the biggest kid in his class. So <laughs> You have to be small. You have to be mm-hmm. short. You know. He works for the sheriff's department. Yeah. he, he Well, well he retired. He's uh, was as a captain. Wow. Good for him. The sheriff's department.
0: Yeah, but he's like he's six feet two, so <laughs> and a great. All right. Big guy. I think it's time to sell some
2: merch. <laughs> oh okay. wait! Before
0: we sell the merch, we have to um, give a shout out to some of the fans who were posting in our group about their favorite episodes and those people are going to win autographs right dina Mm -hmm. okay so rocky Bazzino wrote i was always a huge fan of the show got to work with tony dow in 1989 on an episode of jesse hawks with robert conrad when i was working at universal i was with a friend and we walked out of the cleaver house as the trams were going by and pretended not to notice them we were just friends of the cleavers (laughs) It's just a wall. There's like nothing, it's not a real house.
3: Well, it is a real. It is a real house? Well, it is a real house in that it's a front and a back, so even if you walk out, then you are in the front, but you're on a stage with a cement floor, and then there's grass that's not even grass. It's basically cut up, green, uh, whatever.
0: Right, (laughs) and you're like a couple houses away from the Munster's house. Well, that's on the back lot. (laughs) That's on the back lot.
3: So those are all, there's about probably 15 maybe, Uh, Houses back there, there's there's the Munsters, There's, there's ones that have been there though since the 1930s and 40s when that studio opened.
0: And you can recognize them in a bunch of movies. Yeah, you, know, you, can, you can always
3: see them. And it, when the, the funny part is is it goes like this so that you can't see them all because they don't want people to know, oh, that's the beaver – not the beaver house, but all the other houses there. They don't want people to say, oh, I saw that one before.
0: <laughs> right, because if they dress up the front a little bit differently, they can always make yeah, a Yeah, they look...
3: put trees and all sorts of stuff. They have all sorts of tricks to be able to make it. Gee, that doesn't even look like the house. And you go back the <laughs> next day and they've taken it all down. Oh, there's the house again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then your when your indoor scenes were on a soundstage, right? And that was that had kind of like a flow of the floor plan of a house, didn't it?
3: Fairly much. Um, they have we we had a two story house, so like whenever we come in the front door, there's a stairway there, but you went up about I think it was 14 steps, and then there was a, a a platform that we'd stand on, but that was going upstairs, and then w- the the stage we were on was because they had a pool in it, but they drained the pool, and so when we walked up and into the boys' room, we were coming upstairs from the pool.
0: Oh, wow. So that's interesting. So when you watch an episode, you, in your mind, you picture it completely differently because you know what's actually the context. You know where you came from and where you were going, and we just see it as a house.
3: Yes, I mean, you just think, oh, well, you walked up that, and he probably, when he gets to the end, he'll walk into the room. No, it's too totally different. You walk up about maybe 10 feet, and then there's a platform that you have to stand on. And if it's a long scene and you can't move because
1: you move on the platform, it makes noise.
0: Oh, my God. Okay, that's really cool. Did you rehearse scenes?
1: Well, well we had. Because the fir- they were testing the patience of the kids, so they couldn't kids. Well, the
3: first day we'd come in, and that was when we'd read them. And I had to go to school for three hours a day. But so I'd come in, I'd go an hour at school at nine o'clock. We would read it from nine to 10. I didn't even have to read it because I couldn't. So they had a lady, one of, the, one of the people would read my my part of it, but I got to listen to it. And then on the next day, we did blocking. So we would go to each one of the sets And the people that were in that scene, we'd come and the director would say, okay, when you come on here, you walk over here, you walk over here, pick this up, don't go there because there'll be whatever. So we had two days of that and then three days of actually shooting the show. Wow.
0: And there's just so much that, you know, that goes into it because you, what's great about Beaver or any really good child performer is that you can see the wheels turning in his head by the expression on his face. And well, he was you. so good at that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it just, even as an adult watching it, you're like, I remember what that felt like, where you were being put on the spot by your dad, and you're like caught, and now you're thinking, uh, what do I say? Well,
3: how do I get out of this one? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, and your face was so <laughs> expressive. All right, we have one more uh, quote from the website from Mitch Waldo. The Eddie Haskell character had some of the best lines in the show, and for better or worse, I think he was a role model for some of my friends. I think <laughs> mostly, um, yeah. mostly well, for work.
3: They better watch out because in real life, he's uh was an LA uh, police officer he's a motorcycle cop so um can, you, can imagine? you
1: imagine getting pulled over that's right. what i was yeah. just going to say and
3: all of a sudden you see the lights come on behind you and you go oh i got it oh i didn't do it and all of a sudden up walks eddie haskell and no, you're like
0: are you about to give me the business <laughs> i don't think that'd be a very smart move <laughs> all right Fritzi, go ahead
1: all right well uh, we're, we're going to talk you through some of these great items if you're a fan of uh, the beeves you got to do this and the website where you can follow along as we narrate the merch is www.jerrymathersbeavermerch.com. www.jerrymathersbeavermerch.com. So, Jerry, talk about what we well, let's go over here. I, apparently, this is brand. This is Beaver for president just right. in time. Not quite in time for the Iowa caucuses, but <laughs> but uh, I think right now. I don't that, know
0: if he'll be 35 in time for Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. I forgot about that.
1: Anyway, that's probably, that's a new one, right? That's the brand new one. Okay, yes. and so if people go to the website and they order this stuff, it's mailed right from your home. Right from
3: our house, and we mail it. And not from the house, but we have a place that yeah. uh, a fulfillment center that we yeah. have, and we go there um, when we get you know four or five things, and then we mail it,
1: and it goes right to their house. Great. He will sign a baseball for you. This is my Jerry Mathers beaver base. This is going on my office desk oh, at home, and I'm very honored to have that. Then the green hat, and uh, Marilyn, you had an interesting comment about that because it was shot in black and white. Nobody knew it was a green hat.
2: Well, that's that hat has a very interesting uh, background to it. I bought that hat for Jerry when he was maybe like about four years old or something at a dime store. Remember, you don't remember, do you remember dime stores? Are yes, you I young, do. Okay. I'm very old. Remember dime stores? <laughs> Nickel and dime stores. <laughs> okay. yeah. Five yeah, and – anyway, So I went to one of the dime stores, and they had this hat, and Jerry wanted it. And they just had one hat, and it was like 89 cents or 98. I don't remember. It was under a dollar. So I bought the hat, and he just loved that hat. And he'd wear it a lot, so he wore it on the set, and then they'd put it on his – he, he they let him do a scene with the hat and then Colony and Moses said oh we like that hat keep it on him and all through the show you know they're supposed to be double and triple especially with kids stuff it was one hat really? to this day there's one hat Jerry has it that wow. came from like wow. And the wardrobe like people are always
3: going, oh, can we have the hat? And they say, no, it's my hat.
1: No, <laughs> but we need, we need
3: yeah. it. You're going to lunch now, but, but I want my hat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and is the, is the Jerry Mathers Museum at your house? Do you have all these wonderful things from the show?
3: Not very many from the show. I mean, a lot of scripts and things like that, yeah. but nothing that, you know, none of the wardrobe or anything like that, because that all went back to the studio in case we came back for another year, which we did several times. There's I have
2: one of at my home. I have the oh, original. Uh, it wasn't the. It, Leave it to Beaver, but it was the, the first show. What do you call that when they sell it? The pilot? Pilot. 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 It was the pilot. I have the script of the pilot. Oh, Did my you know that, goodness. Jerry? I have that. In a drawer, someplace. Now, Marilyn, a there's that's a lo- the, That's the
3: bad part. It's someplace that tells you <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. know exactly house. where it is, but it's, there exactly somewhere. Where, but it's
2: <laughs> in my house.
0: Now, Marilyn, you were talking before the show about the colors, because there's a lot of conjecture. I'm a member of the Beaver Fan Club on Facebook, and there's a lot of discussion about what color things were. But you were telling us what colors read best in black and white. Uh, tell us more about that you were never allowed to wear red in those days I, I think nowadays they don't there's no
2: problem with red is there so, I'm not sure. but I have to ask Jimmy right as that's my brother this anyway uh, that you could wear red and, and white was not but blue is the color they like so uh, everybody was asking fans that lately about what color were the kitchen curtains that I knew
0: right away they had to be blue and white check what color was Wally's jacket? leather jacket leather jacket right
2: No, now it's blue the,
0: uh, the letterman the letterman jet. oh his letterman sweater yeah jerry remembers what yeah. was it
3: blue,
2: uh, blue
0: mayfield blue. was a blue yeah was a blue blue color and uh let's see what are some other items what color was june's dresses were usually kind of light what color were they yellow often don't know no they were usually blue and white too blue and white too you know uh
2: jerry had a shirt that my mother made him uh, originally we just brought the wardrobe so that's how they, they used the cap and uh, the, but most of that original wardrobe, wardrobe was uh, his old wardrobe and, t- and tony stew so beaver dressed so. pretty
0: much the way or beaver and wally dressed pretty much the way you and tony yes did. the way they would have dressed would in dress real life in, at yeah. that time so you felt comfortable on the set you felt like yourself that's right. important
1: let yeah. me do some shameless promotion here because sure, sure. i love me that beaver knit cap is that not cool so go to the website www.jerrymathersbeaversmerch.com. That is the coolest cap. And that T-shirt underneath, what does it say on it? It's just a picture of the beef, right? Yeah, it's a picture of me. Right. Really wonderful. And my signature on it. Fantastic.
0: Oh, you sign each one? Of uh, uh,
1: the shirts, yes. Oh, wow. So how often do you go out to these? Oh, there's a knit cap.
0: Oh, here, oh, here it is. Because oh, it really does oh. snow and in Mayfield <laughs> at some point. It really right. does. Ooh. Do for I look like Eminem? M? <laughs> I mean, you're you're about to drop some lines. you. Look really, cute. really,
1: frightening <laughs> yeah. small children.
0: So how drop often do you
1: go out to something? like the Comic Cons and those places where you can sign autographs and all that kind of stuff? Well,
3: you don't want to go to the same one too many times, so right. it's a lot of different ones. But it's fun. You get to go and meet a lot of fans. Everybody has probably that one question that they've always wanted to ask: Why did you do this in the show, or why didn't you do that? You know, anybody would know to do that, yes,
1: but in the script it said I didn't. Yeah, right, (laughs) right. I mean, isn't it funny? I hear this of, you know, the Star Wars fanatics Mm -hmm. and, you know, Lost in Space. There are people who are so meticulous about the facts of the show, and they sometimes know more about the facts of the show than you do, and they want to argue with you about the content of the show. That must be irritating after a while.
3: It's not irritating because I say, is that, is that what you think? Okay, bye. bye.
0: <laughs> they all want to guess where Mayfield is, and they'll base it on, oh, well, Ward said you were 30 miles from the beach, so you must be by uh, – it, it it does. it's not a real place. <laughs> so it can be wherever you want it to be.
3: That's it, and people just you know they're just they get so into it that they think that the, you're lying to them because you won't tell them where it is. Oh, but really? we don't know.
0: <laughs> Maybe you should just say something and then have them walk away. No beaver told me it, you know, because I always thought Mayfield was probably in Ohio. Yes, but see,
3: then they come back and say, "Why did you lie to
1: me?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: I bet people have, uh, particularly people of a certain age, have some really lovely, sensitive stories to tell you about how important that show was in either their raising of their children or the back in the area when they had family viewing, when you would sit down at a certain time at a certain night and watch a show and how much it meant to them.
3: Well, you know, that those people are still there because the show's still showing. Yeah, yeah. And it shows all over the world. It yeah. shows, and I think... 40 different languages. It's just crazy. So it's not even, it's really funny though to see me speak all of these foreign languages that I have no idea. Because <laughs> if I'm in an airport or something, they'll come up and they'll start. I wouldn't
1: have read that line like that.
3: Well, <laughs> no, then in an airport they come up and start talking to me in their language oh. and they can't figure out why I'm not I, answering I, them because they have seen me and I do talk Mark just like them
0: then. Well, so you do know st- one sentence of Spanish, but it's not very nice. I would.
3: Which one?
0: It's uh, usted tiene una cara como puerco. Yeah. Yeah. You are the face of a pig. <laughs> right. So you Was don't that wanna... the show? Yeah. Oh yeah, but Eddie taught him uh, how Eddie to else say else Spanish, Spanish to his little Spanish niece. My new my new
3: Spanish my new Spanish friend that just came from some place where they only spoke that uh Spanish Spanish speaking Sp- people and so he said say this, usted tiene una cara como puerco. And he said, that, that means you're my best friend. Well, what it means is you have the face of a pig.
0: <laughs> Poor Chewie. Sweet, 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 Chewie. And there were some controversial episodes. The Chopper episode, I think, is my favorite because it's this kid who's like, hey, I, my parents are divorced, I get twice the presents at Christmas, and this is so great. And the, the performer, the kid was so heartbreaking. He was good, I don't know his name. But then you find out, of course, that his you know his childhood is very sad and that neither of his parents have time for him. Do you remember the episode, Marilyn? Um, not, real, it's not really real touching. well, but uh,
2: when you, I, I do
0: remember it. Huh? And then there's the episode about alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Where, that, that was a good one. I remember that one. And you can tell a little bit about, about that. Uh,
3: I, you tell me about it.
0: Well,. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> I, I did I,
3: 334 did, of them.
0: <laughs> Beaver had a lot of adventures. But there was a man who came by to paint, and Ward kept giving well, him another chance. He was a pretty cha- famous actor. Yeah, I think he was a famous actor. What was and his name? Ward was gonna, there he is. You found him. Fast, Chris. Oh, my God. There's the guy. And he, they called it the, his problem. Mm-hmm. And Wally finds a bottle. You know, he doesn't finish the job. He wanders off, and Wally finds a bottle and sniffs it and says, you know, they're kids. I think this is, I think this is alcohol and the kids learn oh and he tries to get beaver to go into his dad's liquor cabinet
3: because he oh. runs out of it
0: <laughs> yeah the alcoholic man does yeah, yeah and this is the fifty, the
2: 50s that's and a, it was, one of the first ones that ever did that yeah that's something like that on the show and i think divorce and that alcoholism were two things that beaver uh, was the first show that ever did got into those areas
0: right and so i think that's you know since beaver is a show that we refer to as being the fifty, the innocent post-war naivete of the, you know, post-war suburban. Yes, to a certain extent, but it has a lot more heart and a lot more impact than than folks give it credit for. Oftentimes, well, thank you. I find you. anything else, Fritzi, before we end? No,
1: I'm just taking this all in. Yeah, you know, if I had to sit back in 1964 after you retired from the original run of the show and try to guess what kind of an adult Beaver would become, I would guess that he became the adult. He is just a lovely man with a beautiful family. He's got his mom and his wife here and a, a, a great family. It's exactly the kind of adult you would expect him to become.
0: Well, I would say this, that, so nice however. I would say Excellent. that Jerry is probably more intelligent than Beaver, that Jerry can play Beaver, that Beaver probably would not be able to play Jerry.
2: <laughs> 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 no, if I got
1: into a manual cut in Berkeley. <laughs> things would be a little bit different. <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. We've well, ever treat. read
0: any philosophy.
1: Such but. a treat, you guys! Thank you so much, Jerry. <laughs> Our Miller. pleasure. Thank you for inviting <laughs> us. It was a lot of fun. And, well, uh, and remind us once what again what,
0: where to find. Oh, your YouTube channel too, Marilyn. Where where do fo- your YouTube channel? Where do folks find your YouTube channel? My YouTube. Yes, yeah. Jerry or tell me. She has a YouTube <laughs> channel. Jerry, tell her. Oh, Jerry. Jerry and Mary. thank you, Teresa. They have a YouTube channel, what's the?
3: You have to ask Teresa. Go to YouTube. is <laughs> the one that's my Jerry wife. The Jerry Mathers my channel. Wife.
0: There you Jerry go. It's all gonna be in the show notes. And Mar- it's okay, all to gonna be in, be in the show our notes. show oh, notes. Oh yeah, this exactly. will all make sense later. And then I, the I, merch, th- th- all th- the links are, are, are gonna think. be in our show notes, so if you're driving, just keep driving, and when you go home, look it up. <laughs> Don't be reckless. Uh, I wanna thank Jerry Mathers and Meryl Mathers for being Thank you for inviting us. Can I say one thing? Of course you I asked Jerry one time, a couple of years ago,
2: I guess, I said, Jerry, don't you get tired of signing autographs, you know, when he goes on those things? I was so surprised. He said, No, I like it, mother. He said, The, the fans are all so nice. I, he, he enjoys it. So that's what that like. It's a lot of fun to get
3: people that you've never met before. Yes. Yeah. They you come know. up and well, you you're really sign approachable something for them, them that's, yeah. that's very easy yeah. for me to do. And you think you gave them millions of dollars because they just yes. get so excited about it. And the farther
1: it. away you get from show business, I, I've learned this in my meager uh, below dinner theater career myself but when you the farther away you get like in the middle of the country oh yeah nice it's a very traumatic thing to meet one of your childhood heroes or somebody that meant so much to you
0: because you replay it in your head yes like did well i said this was that stupid i don't know i hope he liked me but you know and i just want to say that folks that enjoy leave it to beaver are going to be great folks Mm -hmm.
2: because
0: there's a warmth to the show and so i think the people that really gravitate towards it and still seek it out in our baby in our baby boomer age those are warm folks, I would assume that, that you I I
3: find them to be some of the nicest people you'd ever want to meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they all have the you know, one little question you know. What was it like working with Tony? He was a really nice guy. How was yeah, we, Barbara Billingsley? He, we How had was him on the show on?
1: like a year oh, ago, just yeah. before he passed away. Oh. I think months before he passed away.
0: He was on with yeah. Bill Mumy. Yeah, and he could not have been a nicer. Oh, and
2: he nice. was a very nice yeah. from the time he was a little kid. He, he, you know, a on the nice show, man. he's always I know he's very he's, nice boy.
0: Always. He's a brother to you, so our condolences. Thank yeah. um, you. Yeah. Um, what you know? What a gift he was. Very much so. And I'm glad that you had him because you were the oldest brother in your family. And then your whole life you had Tony. And he was the
3: youngest in his.
0: Ah, okay. Meant to be. All right, here come your closing credits. Okay. Thank you so much for joining us. We would love to continue this conversation with you on Instagram and Twitter, where we are at MediapathPod and on Facebook, where our show page is media Path Podcast, and our Facebook group is Mediapath with Fritz and Wheezy Podcast Community. You can find full video podcast episodes loaded with all of the great bonus visual content that you love on our YouTube channel, media Path Podcast. You can write to us at MediapathPodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy the show, please give us a nice rating in Apple Podcasts and talk about us, if you would, on social media. You can sign up for our spicy newsletter at MediaPathPodcast.com, And we want to thank our wonderful guests, Jerry Mathers and Marilyn Mathers, for joining us today. Our team includes producer Dina Friedman, John Maddox, Bill Filippiak, Thomas Hubble, Mason Brown, Laurie DeWall, Garrett Arch, Nick Broussard, Chris Baldwin, and you. Our theme music is by me and John Maddox. I am Louise Palenker here with Fritz Coleman. Be well and wise, and we will see you along the media path. (laughs)
2: are <laughs> awesome. so thank you.